I believe there's a hero in all of us. You have great powers, only some of which you have yet discovered. I'm a superhero, Mama. A real-life superhero. The world needs extraordinary. We will make you a superhero. Are you ready to become a hero? Initiating surprise in three. This two is one. The Real Brian Show. Well, it's TRB Reviews. We're continuing our discussion of Star Trek Picard. I love doing this. We're having a good time with this show. This week, we are discussing Episode 7, and these are spoilery reviews. Shields up. Remitter scans to max. Let's rock it. Well, welcome back to The Real Brian Show. Thank you for joining us on these insane, crazy fun episodes here talking about Star Trek Picard. I just got to say Picard, Picard like this. Picard. Hello, Picard. Ca- Captain Influence. Hello. Hello, Real Brian. How are you? No, my name is Jean-Luc. This is a totally exaggerated. So. Uh, hello. No, number one. Number one. <laughs> it works. <laughs> I, I like exaggerating his voice. It's just more fun that way. Man, here we go, though. Here we are. Ready to kick some butt once again. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're enjoying the show. This show, that is, like The Real Brian Show's TRB Reviews show. But I also hope you're enjoying Star Trek Picard because some people really are not. <laughs> and what I find fascinating is why they keep watching it. <laughs> I mean, I kind of have a rule, and Miss Ice talked about this. In fact, we na- didn't we... I don't know if we named the episode this or not, but it was You Should Be Picky and Choosy. I think we did, but it was a long time ago. Her whole point was, it's entertainment, right? If you're not enjoying it, then stop watching it and go to something you're enjoying. So, Because there's so much out there right now. Yeah, yeah. I am absolutely... Um, I would say that this is a, a, a kind of a bizarre fascination, but I, I am fascinated why people keep watching something that they despise. It just doesn't there's make There's psychology sense. behind that. Yeah. I can't parrot it to you, but yeah, there's something behind that. And, and uh, your average psychologist will be able to answer that question in a heartbeat, but... Kind of like you can't look away from has, a train has, accident. Yeah, ex- ex- exactly. Yeah. It has to do with that. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, hey, whatever. We're enjoying it. And uh, yeah. ain't nobody taking away part. that. So we're going to have some fun. Well, I, okay, maybe you're... I am. <laughs> well, there. Oh, I'm going to elaborate on that in a moment. Okay. And of course, there are the, the typical things that I've already talked about that I don't like, like the profanity is... It's a Star Trek show, people. It's gratuitous. It Star is Trek, yeah. so so unnecessary especially for star trek and it went too far again this episode and that is my one gigantic over the top massive negative still that the showrunners or whoever it was that thought profanity would be fun to do was just you guys gotta stop yeah, doing that you're killing it's just the show misdirected in this show i'm not yeah. i'm not anti-profanity by any stretch of the imagination especially in other shows but it just doesn't fit in no, this show. It really doesn't. <laughs> it's kind of weird. And it should they should know that. <laughs> it shouldn't. It is Star Trek, so they shouldn't be doing that. So I would yeah. agree that it's the one thing. And in fact, I've had listeners who have said that, you know, like my kids and I used to watch Star Trek together and we can't watch Picard because of that. Yeah. You know okay. what's interesting though is Picard doesn't cuss. Not at all. It's just the surrounding characters, especially Agnes and uh maybe Rios. Oh, and of course uh Rafi. What did you think overall? There, there were some really, really gratifying parts of this episode. Uh, yeah. Everything to do with Picard and his reunion with Troy and Riker. 
yeah. was very <laughs> heartfelt and it moved me. I really liked those scenes. But the gratifying parts of this episode were really mixed in with several really strangely out of place bad writing instances. And we'll get hmm. to those, hmm, okay. at least from my perspective. So yeah. there have been a few instances in previous episodes where I was kind of like, why did you guys write it that way? But nothing, nothing stood out big until this episode for me. So this was the first episode where I really started to, the writing got on my radar basically. So okay. yeah, you'll have to explain those because yeah. I didn't see that or have any issues yeah. with the writing personally. Oh, I so. will. Okay. <laughs> I a hundred percent agree with you though. The heartfelt scenes were extremely moving, yeah. really good. In fact, like that overshadowed any potential, like I said, I didn't see any bad writing issues, but for me, I was just like, man, I just, Oh, I just loved this episode. I had so much fun yeah. with it. To me, this is, Maybe not as I still like the first episode the best. I really do. I would say this is a definite close second, though, for okay. sure for me. Flashback to Agnes on the hill in Oakland. I'm sorry, Okinawa at the Daystrom Institute. I want to say Oakland. Why did I say Oakland? I don't know. We're in Okinawa. Commander Okinawa, Oakland. Yeah, you know, Commander, <laughs> Commander O shows up. And of course, we saw this in I don't remember what it was. Episode two or three Com- or something. Commodore like O. I keep saying commander, don't I? Commodore. It's it's understandable. Yeah. Well, but you know, what's funny is that you'd never, it makes a lot of sense. Commodores were big in the the, seventies. That's where Lionel Richie came from. uh, (laughs) 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 Oh, that's good. Oh, that's really good. Anyway, I um, love the Commodores, by the way. I I do too. Actually, I like Lionel Richie too. (laughs) Don't tell anybody. But anyway, the, the Commodore rank was big in the old Star Trek series. They had a lot of Commodores and for whatever reason in the next generation, like you hardly, it was always captains and admirals. You never heard Commodore and you never heard it in Voyager and and DS nine. And for whatever reason, it's like, Oh, Hey, look, we have Commodore here, which makes perfect sense because Commodore is in between captain and admiral. Duh. But it's really funny. I can't say Commodore, but I like it. Commodore Commodore. (laughs) O, who has the widest ears of a Vulcan that I've ever seen. Did you see that's that like, sticking massively out? That's because she's a brick house. Yeah, she's a Vulcan no. Vulcan. Just letting it all hang out. Yeah, well, let she those is. Her, ears her, hang out. Dude, her ears yeah. are hanging out like crazy. <laughs> I love is did, she Vulcan or is she Romulan? She's did Vulcan. we ever decide that? Okay, she's Vulcan. Yep. All right. I love okay. this. So personal access display device. I was like, that's so great. She actually mentioned it because they used to just call them pads in the next generation. You know, oh, yeah, which is what the iPhones were iPads, iPhones and all that were actually inspired by with the pads. So yeah, makes sense. I loved it. Another cool cinematography thing that I was very impressed with was that when you would see Agnes and O talking back and forth, there'd be a close up shot on O's face and you'd see like Agnes's the side of her face, but you'd see Agnes's reflection in O's sunglasses. I was like, Ooh, that's yeah. so cool. Like details. I kept one. I kept wanting to see a hand with a blue pill and a hand with a red pill. <laughs> I, thought th- I thought the same thing. <laughs> oh my but, gosh. One leads down the rabbit hole. And you, go, you know, that brings me to a general point about this episode is it, it whoever directed it did a pretty decent job for the most part directing. Yeah. It felt more cinematic than previous episodes yeah. somehow. And I can't quite put my finger on it. Whoever did the directing on this was pretty good at their craft. I completely agree. I mean, we we theorized this, right? I think we talked about it last episode that whatever Commodore O showed Agnes is why she killed Maddox she and is going Maddox, crazy. Yeah. And, yeah, so we were right. Interesting, though, that, you know, they said you will go and accompany Picard and she's kind of like, wait, I leave the planet. Yeah, it, it the, the, the a, other thing about that intro that I found was a little awkward when Commodore O showed her, you know, did the mind meld with her to show her what 
quote unquote would happen if synths were allowed to to exist. Mm-hmm. Her sudden resolve to help was a little off. It was like someone threw a switch inside of Agnes. And I don't know if that was just awkward writing, and which there's plenty of later in this episode, or if that was that there's something to that. Was there some kind of was there some kind of mind control element to that mm, mind meld? Interesting. Her very sudden resolve to be on Commodore O's team and do what needed to be done, whatever that is, just felt weird to me. It was very sudden. I'm not disagreeing, but I'm just saying, like, I didn't see that. Mm-hmm at all like to me it was kind of like okay she showed agnes what was going to happen this is the other thing too she showed agnes what would happen like hmm didn't know vulcans could kind of predict the future that's an interesting thing too right. by the way good point which i haven't figured that one out yet but anyway showing agnes what would happen we saw super fast glimpses and i even went back and watched it over again and i was still like i don't even really know what i'm looking at right so let's just with a mind meld even though we saw the glimpses Agnes would have understood every single thing that was sent to her hundred percent. Like it was her own memory. Right, right. So we don't because we're only seeing these crazy flashes and we really don't even know what's going on. But Agnes does that said that made sense to me that she would be like, oh my gosh, this is not a good thing. I will help. However, I can understand why it seemed kind of off because as the viewer, it seemed like what are we missing? And we don't know yet. I think. And you know what? The mind control thing, that that is a very distinct possibility, like a, a level of not really mind control, but a level, level of um, extreme influence. Yeah. And let me just say this about Agnes. That's one thing that I appreciated in this episode. I felt like there were some really good steps forward. Eats the tracker. Okay, so now we know, well, that's why she killed Maddox, although I'm still not entirely sure why she actually killed him. They were lovers. That Weren't they in love, even yeah. though they weren't together at that moment? Yeah. What could she have seen during that mind meld that would completely erase that and make her kill him unflinchingly? She didn't want to do it. That's fair enough. I mean, it wasn't like, I can't wait to kill Maddox now, but she did it unflinchingly. She didn't hesitate. Yeah, because my first thought was, okay, that's why she killed Maddox. And I'm like, wait a minute, though. She could have brought him in on it. She could have talked. They could have figured this out together. She didn't need to really kill him. So, yeah, we don't know everything yet. Yeah. But we know that, you know, obviously she did that. She's got a lot of regret and she's being tracked. We're going to talk about the Agnes story right now because she freaking loses it in this episode. I mean, she loses her giddiness and joy and comic relief and starts to get fearful and weird. And I just want to go home. Please take me home. And right. And then she, well, let's go do comfort eating and, you know, okay, Rafi, <laughs> let's do up. cake. Yeah. And then, oh, that was gross. And um, then Rafi's gagging. I mean, th- yeah, that th- was, that, that was, was like another, there unnecessary. Were some- I'm going to be throwing the word awkward around a little more than usual in this episode. And that was coming off of last episode where there were three awkward conversations. Yep. So I almost feel like there's some like collaborative effort in writing these episodes. And like, there's this awkward writer and then there's this good Star Trek writer and they're, they're both kind of meshing their stuff together yeah. because each episode, especially in the last two episodes has been this weird mix of, fun good star trek writing and awkward weird why are you writing it this way writing and yeah so i don't know what's going on yeah i'm with you on that there were some that just kind of were like huh okay and that that (laughs) whole thing about like let's go comfort eat and you know throw up and i mean i guess what you're seeing is the you're you're seeing the okay well to be fair it's gritty troy used to comfort eat ice cream and especially chocolate 
ice cream. Yeah. She loved Good chocolate. So there was comfort eating in the show. That's fine. Maybe there was a bit of a, <laughs> of a connection to there or something, but regardless, it's like, let's eat cake, drink milk, drink chocolate milk, all that. That was a little bizarre. It was a little off, but the point I think that I'll, I'll just push out is that we got to see that the pain that Agnes is in, she's clearly yeah. not trained for this. She's clearly having some significant PTSD and other problems. So I'm, she murdered somebody. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and she saw some really horrible visions. So I'm glad they're showing this and I appreciate it. And yeah. I think the coolest part about this was at the very end, she risks herself. She, you know, replicates that whatever that was. I forgot what it was, but it's Alka-Seltzer. I'm pretty sure yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. And then she injects herself with it. And it and even said, you know, with some life forms, it's going to be potentially toxic. And obviously right. she almost dies, goes into but a coma. And it worked. And I thought, okay, that's awesome. We're seeing Agnes almost trying to redeem herself towards doing the right thing. She takes that first step. So that right, was cool. Point. I appreciated that. And it was a great move forward. So on one hand, I was getting frustrated with Agnes in the last episode and even more so. And then at the end of this episode, I'm like, okay, I like her again. We're going forward. Let's keep moving. So back on the Borg cube. Yes. Uh, Let's talk about Rizzo. Hugh and on Rizzo and all them. Yeah. Rizzo, by the way, Brian Rizzo, mm-hmm. really Rizzo. I mean, isn't that the name of a rat? <laughs> so Rizzo is torturing Hugh, but she doesn't kill him because of the treaty with the Federation. And that was surprising to me because I hadn't thought that she'd be one to respect such a thing. After all, she is a clandestine operator within the Romulan True. hierarchy, right? I mean, why would she care about the treaty? But she says she does. Right. and. She doesn't kill Hugh. So. That's a really good point because she's Tal Shiar and Tal Shiar doesn't usually care about that kind of stuff. Right. She might be more Jad Vash, but still. Yeah, And exactly. also, you know, they've already infiltrated the Federation anyway. So it's kind of like, yeah, why would they, you know, good point. Good point. That's the one thing about this episode is it felt disjointed because they were trying to do three separate storylines. And yeah. I think they should have really focused on like maybe the very beginning. It's like, oh, look, it's, Hugh, like there's a flashback and then, oh, look, there's Hugh and Elnor and then there's Narek and all of that. And then that's it. No more of that. Now we're completely on the Pente and we'll just have one storyline for the rest of the episode. That would make more sense, but whatever. Rizzo still annoys me. I'm not happy about that whole thing, uh, whatever. And then, like you said, that whole treaty thing and then, oh, never mind. He's he's going to take back the Borg cube and leave and blah, blah, blah. Oh, never, never mind. You've, you've just nulled the treaty. So now I can kill you. And then I was like, oh, first of all, I can't believe they killed Hugh. That sucked. Oh, that sucked. Yeah, I love Hugh. Elnor, I love his character, but his character storyline made no sense in this episode. It really was like just not thought through. It seemed like. Yeah, it did feel a little extraneous in this one. When uh, Elnor is hiding from the bad guys in some part of this massive cube, he sees something dangling (laughs) and he he kind of sneaks over to it and grabs it and he and he and he uses it and it's a and it's a Fenris Ranger SOS. Yeah. Which of course is going to bring back yeah. 7 of 9. That was just like, wait, how did he happen to find that? <laughs> it was just it was really so weird. It was really again, awkward writing. That whole storyline felt kind of out of place and just kind of like whatever. I think them killing Hugh was actually a very bad move on the writing part because they could have done something amazing with you. The fact that yeah. he had reclaimed all those Borg and now he's got this new fight in him to say, we're going to take back this Borg cube. It would have been good if like she didn't overhear him and that whole scene never had happened. And it would have been, let's take back this Borg cube. 
And there you go. You've got a storyline now between Elnor and Hugh and it works perfectly. And they take eventually like over the rest of the season, they take back the board cube. You know, you see some victory and stuff. I think them killing Hugh was actually a really bad decision, not only for the fans, but also for the writing. But that's just me. So Narek is he's chasing Rios and Rafi and Agnes and they're caught in the tractor beam and then eventually they, they let him go. And it's kind of like, well, that seemed kind of Rafi's like that seemed kind of easy, which, yeah, it was. <laughs> and then, of course, oh, well, Narek's out there. Well, we're, we're sensing something and, you know, he's likely cloaked. I think his ship was cloaked. So, you know, they can't see through cloaks very well. And so, OK, we sense something. But my first question was, how is he able to track Agnes? Commodore O. Exactly. So O put yeah. it in her. And then, of course, I was like, oh, yeah, duh. Rizzo worked under Commodore O, which right. we know. And so, of course, Commodore O is, well, maybe she really is Tal Shiar. I don't know. But we obviously know that she's in charge of this whole thing. So, yes, Rizzo passed down. So that's how that all worked out. But at first I thought, wait a minute. But then I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. That's how I got the tracking device. And then, of course, when Agnes destroys it, then he can't track him anymore, which is great. So that whole thing was, once again, a little poorly executed. But it made sense. It's just kind of how it was done was kind of weird and well, again, not fully thought through. And, and the most, the most awkward part of this episode came when after the board cube, let them go after Rizzo, let them go. And then Narek, let's just call him Delta Bravo from now on. <laughs> Douchebag. Uh, yeah. Yeah. For, follows them, you know, pulls the Boba Fett and whatnot. They keep jumping and he's, there he is again. I can't get rid of him. I wonder if he's tracking us somehow. But there's this one scene where they show Rios's ship coming at the camera and right behind it is Narek's ship, right? It's like yeah. right there. And they have this conversation on Rios's ship and Rios says, but he's good. Just keeping out of reach of some of our scanners. Ranger, yeah. Yeah. yeah and, I, and I listened to him say that five times and I still could not something right in the middle of that sentence. It, it was some weird garbling or I don't know what it was. He's really good. He's keeping just out of reach of our sensors, essentially. Yeah. But he's right behind them. He's you can he's right there. That that's just lazy writing, guys. Well, that's lazy editing too, lazy. because he would have had a cloaking device and you would not have seen him. So that was weird. Yeah, or at least at least show the shimmering. You know, like we, yeah. we all love no one loved cloaking devices in Star Trek. Oh yeah. They shimmer, the stars shimmer, you know? Yeah. Just like vampires. They didn't even bother. He was just right there. Yeah, totally. <laughs> to me, those story arcs took away from the beauty of this episode. Yeah, we're going to get we're going to get the negative behind us and yeah. we're going to focus on all the good stuff after that. The rest of the episode was just beautiful. It in was awesome. so many ways and it was like so much the next generation it's not even funny and I just yeah. if they had just made this episode all about that it would have been almost a perfect episode. Right. But right. they they had to put in all those weird other scenes that just kind of drove <laughs> me crazy and and again, they weren't bad. It's just they didn't fit. And it kind of it's almost like, you know, when you're getting you talked about immersion, you know, how you get immersed in games and stuff. You know how you like you're getting immersed in the scene and then it jumps back and you're just like shocked right out of it. And you're like, oh, OK, now I got to get re-immersed again. You know, yeah, it exactly. just should have stayed there. But one way or the other, let's just talk about Picard and Riker and Troy and Soji and Kestra. So awesome. Yeah. And we're not going to nitpick anymore. Let's just go into it. They they arrive. I, I have one more. I got. I gotta do one okay, more nitpick. Fine. Go ahead. Please, please, just one last one. Okay. And that is, how did they just happen to cast into Riker's backyard on this planet? Well, he might have put in coordinates or something. I don't know. I mean, he might have said, "Take us here" and whatever. I mean, I, I don't true. know. I. 
that's but you're right it did seem very convenient i was just like yeah okay that's kind of weird but I don't but that's know. that's the last thing I promise. Okay, so now on to the really cool <laughs> stuff. So they arrive yeah. at Nepenthe. By the way, beautiful planet. And yes, Kestra shows up. And at first I thought, wait, what is this? Like a tribal planet Amazon or something chicks. like that? Yeah, I know. It was like, what is going on here? And then I love how he's like, you might not want to aim it at my heart. I've got a you know heart made of, was it? Did he say dur- duranium? I think it was duranium. And I was like, oh my gosh, what a great nod because yeah, Picard has an artificial heart. So there's this beautiful episode in season six called Tapestry, and it's all about Picard, and you get to learn that he does not have a real heart anymore. Uh, it's a great episode. If you've never seen it, go back and watch it. It's on Netflix. Really, really good. Talks about his artificial heart and how he came to terms with it and that kind of thing. So I thought, I was like, what a great nod. Thank you for doing that. Dude, what a heck of a way to find out that you're an android. <laughs> right? Oops. That was an accident. Then they get to the house. So we find out now that this is Riker and Troy's daughter, Kestra, who I really liked, by the way. I thought she was a great yeah. character. Great. She was a really good actress, too, yeah. although she looked absolutely nothing like either of them. No, was I, was, fine. I was thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> and how come she's not quarter telepath or, uh, you know, empathic too? exactly she, she would be half empathic, right? Because she would be quarter betazoid. Yeah. Yeah. But but she did a good job. Picard and Troy. Oh, my gosh, dude, that scene. Wow. When it was first, very moving. Oh my gosh. You can't help but remember how much, how many adventures those two went, went yeah. through together. Yeah. Riker and Picard meet up and it's just, oh my gosh. Like again, seeing them together, seeing the crew back yes. together was so incredible. And yes. then I love it. He's like shields up perimeter scans to max I know. initiate anti cloaking <laughs> scans. I'm like, that is so awesome. That is so oh. Riker. Oh, totally. That was really good. You know, what was really interesting to me, Deanna and Riker and Picard are all talking and they're talking about Soji. And I love what Deanna said. I thought it was a really cool description. Like she appears fully human, her face, her body language, her voice, and she seems traumatized, but I'm sensing nothing from her. And I thought, Mm. man, what a really cool description of her as an Android, because of course she wouldn't sense anything from her, but she seems so human. And I think that's what's so amazing. And then of course you see Kestra asking Soji later, like, do you have blood? Do you have spit? Do you have mucus? mucus? Like, (laughs) And she said, well, data never had mucus. And it's like, why does that matter? Because you're so human. Like, this is so crazy. Nothing was like that. And then she was talking about, well, you know, Soji, like, why would data create someone with mucus or whatever? It's because, well, data wanted to be more human. And it's just, it's so neat how they really tied that all together. Again, this whole story arc, everything that was going on felt so next generation ish. It's not even funny. Uh, and I right. really loved the interaction between Kestra and Soji throughout the entire episode. It was really yeah. good, really powerful, just the right yeah, thing. It's, it's like Soji had a little sister all of a sudden and, and it helped yeah. her. It was a little cathartic for her, you know? So. Actually, Kestra's the older sister. <laughs> Technically, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was funny. So this is another thing that was in some ways very difficult to watch and very powerful at the same time was they kept talking about their son Thad in the beginning of the episode, I just kind of felt like, like he's alive. Where is he? What's he doing? And then later on, you realize, oh, he's dead. They lost him. And you know, right. you're kind of like, what's going on? Blah, blah, blah. But dude, oh my gosh. When they start talking about what happened, when Troy shares that story, you're just like, oh my gosh, that was so powerful. One of my first questions in the episode is why is Riker not commanding a starship? Why did they come mm-hmm. to Nepenthe and not Beta Z or Earth or whatever, or even like risa you know they loved risa i know it's a vacation planet but you know that just why are they here and i love the fact that they were talking about that thad was born and raised on starships and that he had a fascination with home worlds which i thought that was cool like what's your home world and troy is mine's beta z and 
you know, Rikers is earth and he wanted a home world. And so he kind of made up his own. And then eventually, you know, they came, he got sick, which that was crazy. So they got sick with a silicone based disease, which is so weird to me. And obviously like some kind of a technological disease, which that's, that's interesting. Like, Oh, okay. Diseases, a lot's been eradicated in the future in the 24th, almost 25th century. But now they have these silicone based diseases, which is weird. And they said in theory, it's curable. But because of the ban on synths and there were no active positronic matrices, that's right. how you cure it was with an active positronic matrix. And so they came to Nepenthe because of the regenerative powers and stuff like that. But unfortunately, he still died anyway. So it was a very sad, sad scene there. Very moving at the same time. But I was, man, what a what a story, though, that they yeah. they created a really good story around that and around Troy and Riker and stuff, which was really good. Mm-hmm. Now, really quickly, though, this is funny to me. Nepenthe has regenerative powers, as Riker said, and as Troy said, this does remind me, though, because the planet they were on, it was the uh, the Baku, and I don't remember what the name of the planet was, but in the Briar Patch in Star Trek Insurrection, the movie, mm-hmm. they were on a planet and the rings around the planet had restorative and regenerative powers. That's why they never aged and, you know, they got healthy and they healed and they lived to be hundreds of years old. And I thought huh, that's interesting that they went to Nepenthe for regenerative powers. But listen to what Troy says in Star Trek Insurrection about the regenerative powers on this planet. And have you noticed how your boobs have started to firm up? <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> that is <laughs> awesome. You right? gotta wonder, has that happened on Nepenthe? Actually, I really don't wonder. I just thought it was a funny quote, though. But then hold on. Oh, there's more. On this planet in Star Trek Insurrection, Worf and Data have a conversation about the regenerative powers. I have an odd craving for the blood of a live Kolar beast. This environment must be affecting me again. And have you noticed how your boobs have started to firm up? You see, you just... (laughs) (laughs) I forgot all about that. You've got to wonder why are Troy and Riker aging if it's got regenerative powers? Huh? Come on. Come on. Work with me here. All right, moving on. A little bit of comic relief for the day. So (laughs) did you notice? I I know you noticed this. So Soji is looking over at the pizza and the ingredients and she cocks her head just like data. And I'm like, oh, Uh, yeah. I I noticed that immediately. And I thought it was a little bit. I I almost thought it was slightly contrived. I mean, it's like her character, Soji nor Dodge have have ever shown any other outward characteristics of data and so to do it here was very contrived yeah it was it was a nice nod so i like how Riker was very smart on that that was very good well they start to help soji which i appreciated and if i'm actually glad that they took it the way they did because at first you're thinking like oh soji's just gonna trust picard and everything's great and all but the fact that she really didn't trust him i really appreciated that and then I loved right, how because her whole life had been turned upside down in the last yeah, 24 hours. Like so everything, literally everything. And, yeah. and I really liked it how Picard finally like took charge of things a little bit and kind of said, look, you know, you have your training. You're an Android. You can listen to my heart. You can look at my pupils. You I mean, you are a human. Well, an Android light. Det- well, human lie detector as an Android. You could do this. And I really appreciated kind of utilizing that level of skill set that made a lot of sense. Yeah. But man, I got to tell you, hearing Troy and Picard and Riker all talking like they used to. I mean, at one point you even at, you hear Picard ask Riker for suggestions, you know, and 
Troy speaks up and says, you know, I know the ship's counselor shouldn't say this, but you had it coming. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. was great. And I love too how Riker was calling Troy Imzadi. I appreciated that. By the way, that for those of you who don't know what Imzadi means, it's Betazoid for beloved. That's pretty cool. They did a good job with that. Yeah. yeah. And I, I liked when Troy was saying like, you know, treat the dinner table as the ready room of the enterprise, you know, just really good job of pulling it back together. And I think what made me so happy was Picard's journey. Now, Soji had a journey too. like she finally begins to understand herself as an Android. She begins to learn how to trust again. So I appreciated that. That was really cool. But again, this comes back to Picard was so neat because in the very beginning of the show, the very beginning of the season, even Picard felt very haunted. You know, he has a lot of regrets. He's lost his confidence. In fact, it's funny as I've gone back and watched a few next generation episodes. I'm like, dude, this guy's confident and he's in charge. Yeah. Yeah. He's got some haunts of his past and stuff. But in this show, he just feels kind of like he's just not there. He's moving forward. He finds his purpose in this episode. He even says, I finally have a mission. I feel alive again. And it seems like he's found his confidence again, too. Yeah. Finally, that's what I've been hoping for all season with him. And I think we finally are seeing it. I'm glad they've done this with the show because it is one thing. Like, what do we all expect Picard to do? Oh, he's going to become an admiral. He's going to be great. He's going to live happily ever after. Right. I'm kind of glad that they twisted a little bit and said, you know, he kind of lost his way and he got beaten down. He's not in Starfleet. He's got, you know, one foot in the grave. I mean, what was he saying? Like in the beginning, he's like, I- I'm, I'm haunted by my past and I'm marking time wasting my life. Yeah, that's yeah. sad. But yet in some ways it makes perfect sense. And now he's got a mission again and he's moving forward. It's like redemption. That's awesome. So to me, that's cool. And we find out, yes, Soji has a home world. They're going to go find it. Hopefully uh, Rizzo doesn't get there first, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> I don't know. Rizzo. Yeah. Hey, what did you think of those mountains, by the way? interesting it was it was a weird combination of arches and peaks i the, the combo was awkward a couple times but for the most part it was fine it's so unique though that's what i loved about it it, it was, was just, very unique yeah yes. nothing you've seen before so oh by the way i love how picard was saying well my crew is pretty motley and there's been nothing but drama and they're all carrying lots of baggage and i was like yep that explains the crew <laughs> <laughs> totally oh my gosh every one of them but yeah, it, it was neat. That scene on like their pond or whatever, where Riker has his arm around Picard and you're just like, oh my gosh, like, yeah. that is so neat. It's just super gratifying. Yeah. yeah. So Picard is worried that Rios is not going to make it in time to, or to help him continue his mission. And they know that they can't stay on Nepenthe very long because of the, the Romulans. Kestra mentions that there's a spaceport nearby and, mm-hmm. and he could probably find a freelancer there. Uh, and someone mentions a guy named Captain Crandall. Yep. Kester's like, yeah, he's really great and he's wonderful and he's the guy that's going to help you. And then Riker's like, well, Riker he's kind of crazy. crazy. And, yeah. yeah. During dinner, after Soji describes her homeworld, Kestra's look, you know, doing her little teen thing on the phone, right? <laughs> and, <laughs> and she surreptitiously asked the pilot, Rupert Crandall, if he knows where that is. And he does. And so, but we don't get to meet Rupert in this episode. So I wonder, I mean, they, they made a point of introducing the character. And by the way, Rios does show up. So where's Crandall fall into all this? I wonder if he's going to show up on the next episode or two or why even bring him into this? I don't know. Well, maybe it's just some crazy guy that knows a lot of stuff and nobody believes him yeah, because maybe he's just, go- you know, eccentric and who knows? I, you yeah, know, maybe it, it'll go away. <laughs> I, in one in one way, though, at first I thought that's kind of interesting, but then I thought, you know, there's always the crazy 
pilot or something like that in a lot of these stories that everyone's like, yeah, he's eccentric. He's weird. Don't trust him. But they tend to know a lot. There's always that typical type of character. So again, minus the main complaints we had in the very beginning of the show. I thought this was right. a really great episode and I'm I agree. looking forward I agree. to the next I, one. So the reunion made the episode very worth it. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening. Join us on Friday. We will be chatting it up and having a great time as always. So uh, have a good rest of your week. And of course, show notes all over at realbrianshow.com slash 208. And we are going to be starting up our interviews on Monday. So join us for that as well. But Captain Influence, thank you. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate it. It's fun to talk about this stuff. And have you noticed that you're, you know what the music means? Wait, what? Have I noticed what? That you're abs start to firm up when you're in a regenerative planet yes yes but yes no because i don't live on a regenerative planet oh. so well shoot well <laughs> but i bet they would there. yeah <laughs> all right well have a great rest of your week we'll see you on friday again thank you very much for joining us this is the real brian show and we are signing off the real brian show is a production of 514 media at 514mediaempire.com